Welcome to Theatrically Speaking, almost a playwriting podcast. My name is Jonah Knight. Theatrically Speaking is a part of the Actual Story Podcasting Network. Learn more about this show and others over at actualstorypodcasting.com. If you have a playwriting question, if you'd like to suggest a topic, or if you have a play that you would like feedback on, visit actualstorypodcasting.com to send us a message. That you are listening to this show tells me that you are a creative person. All of us writers and creative have experienced some disruption over the last two years. And today we are talking with Laura Lewis Barr and Keegan Shewitt about how our creativity has been affected by the pandemic. During the episode, Laura shares a picture with Keegan and I, but because you can't see that, I made it the cover art for this episode. And since you are most likely a writer, I have a small writing request for you. Consider writing a review of this show wherever you listen to podcasts. A review, following or subscribing, sharing a link, and telling a friend would all be very kind and super helpful. And as always, links are in the show notes. Hi, I'm Laura Lewis Barr, and I am a theater professional for many, many years, taught theater, directed, wrote, and stumbled into filmmaking and uh, spend more time filmmaking these days, although I still have theater theater events happening and uh, really happy to be here. My name is Keegan Shewitt, and I am a playwright, uh, performance artist, filmmaker as well. Um, I'm originally from Tennessee, uh, but I now live in Chicago where um, I produce my own work independently. Um, and I'm also really excited to be here. <laughs> well, thank you both for coming on. This is, uh, we're going to talk about pandemic creativity today. And it's something that I think all of us in theater are dealing with. Uh, and not just theater, but anybody who is used to having a creative process in the last year and a half, two years has probably been disrupted in some way. So I just thought we'd take a little bit of time to talk about how the pandemic has affected your creativity and what you're doing, maybe consciously or unconsciously, to sort of adapt to that. So I guess maybe I'll just start with Laura. Um, when the pandemic was first getting underway and we were getting word of lockdowns and things like that, how did your creative outlet feel? Yes. I was involved in making my short stop motion films at that point. I have a little um, stage in my basement and Barbie dolls with magnets on their feet. And I was making a film and my day job ended. So I teach public speaking. I couldn't do it anymore. And suddenly I had a film company <laughs> because this became my day job. And so for me, and I guess I'm going to mix struggle in with the rest of your question, is that I had all this time, I had my own company, all self-composed. I have the ability to make my own voiceover and do my own editing. I had the whole thing and no gatekeeper and no Keegan to keep me on track. And <laughs> so it was amazing to have that experience of the no gatekeeper anymore 
because there was no excuse not to create. And I had to step into believing in my own projects in a way um, that was different. So that that was the main shift for me with the pandemic is I was very lucky as I could do more. And in the doing more, um, I had to come up against my doubt about my abilities. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience, actually. So um, at the onset of the pandemic, um, like a lot of creatives, I balance uh, my artistic process with service industry positions. Mm -hmm. So I was working full time as a server in Wrigleyville. Uh, <laughs> so as you can imagine, that was very stressful, high volume. And I had kind of found myself feeling not as creative pre-pandemic and was focused more on like sustaining myself and, and doing what I could in my free time. But then when I was furloughed, and I also had COVID. I caught COVID mm. at work, um, mm. which was unfortunate. Mm. It was a really big eye-opening moment where basically I was sitting alone in my apartment and I hadn't really sat there at all, <laughs> at all. You know, it was just a place I would go and sleep sometimes. And I looked outside and was really like, found myself longing to go outside and think it really like, kind of lit my brain on fire and like made me want to write more than anything. And I wrote so much at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and weirdly, like I had the same feelings of, of doubt, I suppose, because it felt almost so foreign to me to have that time. I hadn't had that time since grad school. And I kind of felt like I wasted it when I was there. And I guess it just, it was a really exhilarating feeling to, to have that time again, the abundance of time uh, to do whatever I wanted. And at that moment, I really, really wanted to write. Wow. It sounds like both of you had the experience of just a lot of the responsibilities that you normally have kind of drifted away, <laughs> whether that yeah. was good or not in, in all areas, but that it sort of gave you the time and a little bit of motivation to start getting to those things that had always sort of been back burner or like, you know, I'm going to get to this someday. Well, now I have time and now I'm going to get to it. Is that, it sounds like that, that's what happened. It, it was a really reflective time for me, you know, and I think that reflection really spurs great creativity. Um, especially when, you know, you've been kind of burning all of your resources into like, I mean, frankly, like the service industry is such an exhausting and like physically debilitating and somewhat emotionally debilitating field to work in. Um, and I hadn't really thought about it until I wasn't doing it every day. And that informed my writing a lot. And I basically like feelings started pouring out of me. I became very emotional. Um, but I, I'm not sure if you had the same experience when you were like able to focus on your work again, did you become more emotional, Laura? Um, you know, I think it was different for me in that 
the shift from writing scripts to creating films, mm. from writing a template that gets created probably by other people to I, I control the end product, that was the huge shift for me, knowing it would be like somebody saying, here's a million dollars, do whatever you want to do. I mean, it's not a great analogy because I work with no budget, but I have unlimited choice. I yeah. have unlimited choice to go and um, started making, I had already made a couple of films, but I was desperate to stay busy, to make that time meaningful. And so once I finished a film, I started another and it started another and started another. Uh, so yeah, it was creativity. I guess it was emotional. I felt very joyful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's exhilarating to me being able to have that moment where you're becoming prolific in your creative process. Yeah. And, and also it speaks to me the idea of having complete control. I also work with like no money whenever I make films or, or theater for that, uh, for that matter. Um, but that's because the control actually, I, maybe this is something I just tell myself that the control matters more than money. Um, but, uh, I think it does. I think that's worth its weight in gold to be able to have complete control of your process. Um, and that extends to, picking who you collaborate with too. Yeah. And, and I was collaborating with actors who sent me voice tapes, but otherwise I had all the creative decisions to make myself, which was exhilarating and also terrifying. Mm. Cool. I want to see some of your movies. Are your, are, did you complete any of these projects? Are they done? Oh, Yes. I've, oh, cool. <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm on number 11, maybe of my stop motion films. And what's been amazing is that I have gotten some confirmation through film festivals. So mm -hmm. then I start going, okay, well, maybe I'm not just, I, you need outside confirmation. And for a playwright in general, it's somebody agreeing to do your play or publish your play. Yes. Um, <laughs> But when you get to do the whole thing and finish the whole thing, then film festivals is really the only way for somebody to say, all right, it's worthy <laughs> on some level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. feeling when you finish something that you've made wholly on your own is really, it's something else. But yeah, of course, I crave the confirmation of the world. <laughs> some confirmation, at least when you're getting going, I think. Yeah. Because I'm self-taught, basically. Yeah, this is interesting because, I mean, the theater is such a collaborative medium. Yes. Uh, unless you're doing a one-person play and you want no one in the room while you're working on it. But um, but the playwright's role there can be pretty solitary for much of the work that, that we do as writers. And then, as you're saying, we look for that confirmation. We look to bring in other people and other voices at some point. So... It sounds like one of the effects of the of these projects for both of you is that maybe this was a time or this still is a time when you really just sort of 
put other people aside and you concentrated on, as you say, doing all of this yourself. And this is, this is entirely my vision to maybe a, a different extent or in a different way that the full process of theater is, uh, how, and it sounds like for both of you, this has been almost a revelation in some ways that like, Oh, I don't necessarily need everybody else's approval. I'm just going to do this project the way I want to. Was there any, were there any sort of growing pains in that? It sounds like maybe there's like some insecurity, like I am working on this alone and is that correct? But I don't know if, if that process of going from a larger team to sort of like a singular vision, if you had issues with that in adapting to that. Um, I weirdly, it was, I, I know I, I made it sound like this was this incredibly solitary time for me, but I, I actually found a larger online community during the beginning of the pandemic. And that was surprising to me. Um, I attend a, a weekly writers group now online, virtually. I have since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and it's a very, I mean, I have to be honest and say that I don't think I would have written as much without that group. And I find that to be like, way more uh, invigorating um, in my process now. I write, like, I have an audience of people who have grown familiar with my voice and also kind of like a weekly date with them. <laughs> and, and I get really upset if I have to miss that, you know? Uh, and the beauty of the virtual writers group is that people are from everywhere, you know? Primarily, um, it's, it is people from Memphis, where I'm from, but a lot of people that were in Memphis no longer live there. So now we got people in Chicago and New York and California. It's like crazy. Uh, and when I, I wrote my very first full-length play, uh, I will call my very first complete full-length play last year. And I produced it with a theater in Memphis. And we had people from all over the world in that production because we were able to. And the production was I, online, Keegan? It was online, yeah. So uh, I recorded, it, we pre-recorded a lot of it. Um, and that play was Goddess of Tears, um, which is a Greek adaptation, but it was set in like the digital cloud of Olympus. <laughs> and it was basically this format that we're speaking now, but with uh, you know, characters from the Greek mythology canon. And I developed that piece with people online. I mean, I did all the, the writing, obviously, but I believe in a, a, a hyper-collaborative environment where if people change some words or there's an easier way to say something or if something doesn't make, like, emotional sense to somebody and it is something that only makes sense to me, there has to be some sort of change. Um, that's my belief, but... I don't know. It was a hyper collaborative time for me. Um, and I don't know. There, there were definitely some moments where I felt a, a little bit of hesitation in the process. Like I thought maybe I was, I had too much time to do rewrites, things like that. And, uh, you know, I can get hyper detail focused. Um, and I've like changed little words and at a certain point, I was like, you have to, like, chill out. 
<laughs> just because you have this, you know, freedom right now doesn't mean that it's healthy. And so I, I took a lot of long walks in nature. <laughs> yeah, I, I also did online, but I think what was really unusual and unique for me was I wanted so I was kind of lazy since I knew that I could write my own script and produce it myself in my basement and upstairs with my um, recording studio. I didn't have to explain my vision so completely to somebody else. Plus, there were some plays that nobody had ever picked up, short 10 minute or less plays. And I had to ask myself, can I do this as a stop motion with my dolls? Will, mm -hmm. it, will it translate? Is the material worthy? Because it's been rejected plenty of times. So mm -hmm. for me, I took a chance and did one of these. And I got some confirmation from the outside world when it was done that it was worthy. And uh, so that sort of changes my life. And I start to go... Maybe I can be the solitary artist and get feedback later in my process. Mm -hmm. I've been involved with people in Oxford, England, and Philadelphia film groups that show short films, and then they give feedback, and that's been invaluable because I can't do it forever alone. But for me, there's been something really wonderful about trusting my vision till I've completed at least a draft of the film. I don't know. I, I also think doubt is such an important part of everything. <laughs> you know, I have to question if something's worth doing. And I usually do automatically, um, just on my own. It, 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 the starting of things is so easy for me. You know, if you have a kernel of an idea and you go, I, I can go like pretty far into a script just like on one sitting but usually it's that motivating factor of when I sit back down, do I want to revisit this story? And then all the doubt kind of creeps in and you wonder if there are other things you should be working on or other things you should be dedicating your focus to. Right. And I think that that combination of a certain kind of almost arrogance that the artist has to have that mm -hmm. I can create versus the inevitable doubt and terror that the artist goes through. I really experienced both of those in such a huge way. And it's confusing for me. So it sounds like the, just the situation of the pandemic and the lockdown really get, not only just gave you more time, both of you, but also sort of helped you get into different mediums and different ways to tell stories. And I wonder if, um, what we get from the lockdown, from not being able to go outside and interact in the world the way that we did, were there negatives from the pandemic that created something like a writer's block or something like, I mean, we've, I, I think a lot of creatives can hit levels of depression. Maybe, maybe we're a little more sensitive than other folk, but maybe we push through it to make a new thing or we use that to, to spur us. I wonder about how you've been using or reacting to the negatives of the pandemic. I mean, as the author of goddess of tears, I am intimately familiar with depression. Um, I, in fact, it was why I wrote the play. I was super sad at the beginning of the pandemic. 
I know it's like it was really joyful finding a writer's group. But as I said earlier, I had so many emotions and I really wanted to work through them. And every time in the past that I've had really, really dark depression, it it can be hard to motivate to write. But I find that when I sit in it, it always informs my best work um, and the most personal work. And I don't know, I also, I kind of experienced a little bit of burnout in the fall around, like around the fall, I, I kind of hit a wall and I just was, I was asking the question, how long is this going to go on? Like, is this what forever is going to be like now, you know, <laughs> which was a really uh, dark question <laughs> to have to kind of grapple with. And, um, I got sick of my apartment, you know, I got really sick of that place. Mm. And I, I longed to be as, as I'm sure we can all relate, like back in a theater, like just out in other spaces, just looking at different walls. And when things started reopening, I experienced kind of a flip of it too, where I became really anxious about everything. (laughs) Um, And I still have a little bit of that. But I, I think that might also just be part of who I am. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to the anxiety of the reentry. And I've had ambivalence about reentry. I loved that in the pandemic, their film festivals became virtual and play readings and play events became virtual. But it was also very sad because... It's not the same. You don't have that same networking on the screen, even though they try to make it. I'm going to, I want to turn off my um, face for a second because I think it'll show you what I've been working with. So you get a sense of my one, a member of my cast. And I only want to show that because I don't know. I'm, I'm in love with these dolls they've become real to me. <laughs> so. I, I love, I love that you're doing stop motion with, with dolls that I used to do that when I was like a kid, I would act out everything with, with dolls. And I, you know, I was stealing the family video camera to do things like that too. And those were really deep emotional sagas, you know, <laughs> they can be. It's There's archetypal. Something. Yeah. Yeah, there, I, I think that I think dolls and, and puppets and anything like that can really unlock some deep, deep truths. I think it's, I think it's an exciting medium to work with. And and I stumbled into it. And I think for me, it's um, finding your medium, you know, whether for Jonah, you just love the podcasting and it's. It's sustainable in any environment almost. When we find the medium that fits our soul, I think this was it for me. And so there's something about that that um, was very transformative. It's also interesting that it's something that you can do without community, like without an in-person community. It's it's kind of like a clever way to create your your stories without you know any risk of uh of covid coming into it i found that to be like the exciting or the most exciting thing about zoom theater when it was starting 
but I, I have to tell you, I am so done with Zoom theater <laughs> now that I, you know, yeah. now that I've written a couple of plays for virtual performance and uh, it, you realize the limitations of it pretty quickly. Um, and I, I think that it did push a lot of us creatively to find, you know, the most interesting way to to express our work online in this space that's almost pr- like it's so strictly presentational. I, I found myself thinking about clever solutions to everything. Like I wanted to do a, a short film where all the characters were cardboard cutouts. That was like a whole idea that I chased for like a month in the middle of the summer. I was like road trip movie with cardboard cutouts, you know, <laughs> and and I think that really just spoke to me wanting to go on a road trip. But I was like, what's a clever way that I can get on the road and have actors, but they're not actors in a traditional sense. And I, I don't know. It, it reminds me of your dolls. I'm so I, I can't wait to it's, watch some of your it's films. It's brilliant. Well, I have to say <laughs> that the dolls started because I I had a play that was turned into a film and I went, hey, wait a minute this film lasts forever. (laughs) Hey, theater closes and it's done. Oh my God. I like this film thing. And I got a camera, but I was a little too intimidated to work with live actors. And so I started working with the dolls as a way to learn the camera. And then it was like, oh no, this is it. And I think Meyerhold and some of the old Russian uh, directors who wanted puppets because they liked controlling actors. Um, as a theater director, I can relate to the desire to control actors. <laughs> I admit it. Yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. And as and as a performer too, I'm like, I get it as well. You know, when you wear this many hats, it's like, I'm like, wear the hat the way I wear it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, as we reach the end of our time today, I guess I my last question for you both is if there's something, whether it's part of your process or just a just a piece of advice that you would give folks about something that you've taken out of your process, uh, uh, the experience of the pandemic, uh, whether it's the way you go about things, maybe it's a, a piece of philosophy that you hadn't fully embraced, but now maybe you understand it and have figured out how to apply it to yourself there's anything like that that you would just like to share with folks? I I would say really try to stick if, if we can to stick with what we love, stick with what I love because that love does make everything sustainable. So I'll make these films. I hope for the rest of my life because I love this process, this medium, and whether it's writing monologues or short plays or full-length plays or screenplays, finding what's sustainable. I think the pandemic for me really teaches that. Are we living a sustainable life so that when things go to crap, we can Mm -hmm. still find what nurtures? I I would say to not be afraid of, of exploring new things, you know, don't be afraid of restrictions creatively uh, because they can inform your work Mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to tackle 
inner demons too. Um, I really, it, it is the thing that I think of the most in my creative process is what's going on inside and mm. how can I exercise that mm. into the work? Um, you know, obviously take care of yourselves, but, uh, you know, take the time to tackle the big monster, you know, like take some time. Mm -hmm. If there's something that's been lingering in the back of your mind, it lingers for a reason and you should get it onto paper if that's your medium. Well, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Thank you both very much for coming. If if anyone would like to find you online, follow along with what you're doing or see what you've been up to creatively, where can they find you? Uh, Laura, would you like to go first? Yeah, I try to consolidate everything at lauralewisbarfilms.com, L-A-U-R-A-L-E-W-I-S-B-A-R-R-films.com. And yeah, that gets to social media and, and all the other things. Right. Uh, if you want to find me online, my complicated name is Keegan Shewitt. And I am at, uh, you can find my work at keganshewitt.com. Uh, it's K double E G O N S C H U E double T. That has my film work, my visual art, some of my writing. Uh, and both Laura and I have plays available on youth plays. Uh, both for virtual and in-person performing. Um, and I, I'm so excited to finally virtually meet her. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, Keegan is a fantastic dramaturg. If anybody's looking for somebody, he's amazing. Thank you. Thank you both very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Our theme song is Candy. Licensed from the band Ketza, ketzamusic.com. Additional information can be found in our show notes and over at actualstorypodcasting.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.